Good morning, Cross Point family. What a joy it is to be here today. I want to remind you of one thing before we start, or as we get started. The head of this church is Jesus Christ. Him and Him crucified. We're going to begin in prayer with just, in just a moment. We're going to be praying for another fellowship this morning. Aberfoyle Baptist Church is a small um, country fellowship up near Wolf City. Uh, Kerry Matter is the pastor, so we're going to be praying for him. We're going to be praying for our time this morning. So if you would join me in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your presence here. And Father, you are here not because of who we are, but because you choose to love us. And you reveal yourself to us. You reveal your plan for your kingdom to us step by step as we go through our lives. Father, I pray this morning and I lift up uh, Pastor Kerry Metter up at Aberfoyle Baptist Church. And I pray that this week has been a sweet time of, of fellowship with he and his wife and their family. That this also be a, a time of prayer and study this week. That you have challenged him, you have grown him through this week as he prepares even now to stand and deliver to that fellowship. Father, I pray for the people there that you'll continue to help them walk rightly with you and to hear your word this morning. Father, I pray for our time again this morning here at Cross Point that you would speak to us through the Holy Spirit, that we would have sharpened ears, that we would pay attention, that we would discern the difference between truth and error. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this time that we have to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Last week we began to look at one of the keys of the kingdom that God has given us as the church. And that key is the discernment in our hearing. In other words, to learn to develop the skill of having sharp ears to hear. Rather than being dull of hearing. And why are we supposed to be discerning? Because we are to be guardians of this body. We're to protect the body. The flock is being protected by the ram, as we talked about last week. If you didn't connect that point, the ram that we talked about last week is you and me, the body. We're the ram. Elders are the under-shepherds for us here. The shepherds call on us also to step up and protect the body. So if you didn't get that last week, that's you. (laughs) I want to give you just a little map of where we're going to be this morning. We're going to be looking in and reading in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, and also in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. So I would invite you to go ahead and start turning there as I finish out our little roadmap. We're going to continue to examine the need for discernment in the church based upon these passages this morning. 
then there's going to be four application points to consider in light of what we unpacked this morning from God's Word. So if you would read with me in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the same judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured against you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Being called to be priests, kings, in our kingly role, we saw last week in the scriptures that we are charged with developing the ability to handle accurately the word of righteousness. We are to move in our ability toward growth and maturity, to make decisions, to make judgments. I grew up in First Baptist Church, Fort Stockton, deep West Texas. And one of the things in, in my biblical heritage that I can remember, and much of it was great, but one of the things that I remember was I was told, Morris, you're not to judge. And it was typically said like this, judge not. And, and nothing else was said after that. Well, some years later, as I was being discipled and mentored by, by Pastor Hamilton at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, he pointed out to me, he was one of, of many that did, be sure you understand the context. Because okay. as, as a friend of mine in Tennessee says, context is king. We have to know the context. So as you look in that, God's word is not actually saying to not judge. But he's saying we are to judge correctly. We do not, we do not, please hear me say this. We do not make heart judgments. That's God's job. Our job is to judge fruit. We're to be fruit inspectors. Looking at people's lives, not in condemnation, but in love, wanting us to walk rightly as we're called to do. But Jesus gives us a perfectly acceptable guideline in this passage to follow in making decisions, in making discernments, in making judgments. First of all, we need to be assured that whatever measure we use to judge someone else, we're going to be measured by that same thing. In other words, you have to make sure that you're not guilty of the same thing that you're calling someone else to straighten out. Secondly, because of that, then we have to examine ourselves. We have to make sure that, I have to make sure that I'm not guilty of the very same thing that I'm trying to talk to someone else about in their life. I'm to take the log out of my eye, then I can see clearly to take the speck out of my brother's eye. Once I remove the log, I can then help my brother. 
So see, that, that part of the passage tells us that we are to make judgments. We are to make decisions. We are to be fruit inspectors. Because once we get our own stuff settled between me and God, then I can help someone else. And that's the key to this passage. If you do not have a log in your eye, you're already, as you examine, you're already capable of helping your brother or sister take the speck out of their eye. To help them in their daily walk to walk more rightly with God. Keep in mind in this, we are not making heart judgments. As I said earlier, that's God's job. That's his domain. We are called to be fruit inspectors to make judgment of the fruit in another person's life. In this passage, we are not told to not make judgments. But we are told to rightly make decisions, discerning judgments for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That also means not being judgmental. You can make judgments and not be judgmental. Or you can be judgmental and honestly not make judgments. Being judgmental is an attitude. Making judgments in love is wanting your brother or sister to walk rightly. But if we make decisions or we make statements that are judgmental, most of the time it's going to be without love in our hearts. So you can do the right thing with the wrong motive and miss what Christ has called us to do in this passage. We must have the right loving attitude to help others see their current pathway and improve their walk with God. So again, how do we get to this place of making right judgments, clear distinctions, clear discernments? In Psalm 119, 66. Psalm 119, 66 says, Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. So I talked about last week, we're to be taught. We are to be groomed by someone else, and maybe someone's else, if that's a good word. But other people who are older, grayer, maybe they've just, I heard some chuckles, Maybe it's they've just walked down that pathway longer than you've walked. It's, it's not about just an age thing. It's about their experience with God. Maybe they've experienced something that you've not experienced. You can be taught by them. We should all have a Paul and a Timothy in our lives. We should have a Paul, someone who is more advanced in their walk, more, they've been down that pathway longer. They've experienced stuff that we haven't and they teach us and we learn from them. We glean from them. We hear the way they talk. We hear the things that they say. It impresses us. We pick those things up. We're being taught. We should also have a Timothy, someone who is younger in the faith. They haven't walked as far as you've walked. And you teach them. By learning from others and by teaching others, we grow in our maturity. 
we grow in our ability to accurately handle the word of righteousness. Now, in the mandate to study, to increase the accuracy of handling the word of righteousness, how much time should we spend dedicating ourselves to study the other religions of the world so that we won't be caught unaware? Let me read an excerpt from R.C. Sproul in his book on life views. He points out in this passage, as Christians... We are to be concerned about three qualities, the good, the true, and the beautiful. These three are virtues that touch the very heart of Christianity. It is a triad of values, each of which points beyond itself to the character of God. We are concerned about goodness because God is good. We care about truth because God is truth. And we care about beauty because God is beautiful. If we are to be a discerning people, knowing the difference between truth and error in the world around us, and it comes to us from all directions, we hear stuff constantly, and we have to be on guard to determine what's true and what's not true. We don't have to pour ourselves into hours and days and weeks of study of all of the isms of the world. Take any word and put ism at the end of it and it can become a belief or a value system. We don't have to study that. We need to spend our time studying the real thing. That is God's word. A good example of this truth of study is found in our treasury agents, the, the U.S. treasury agents. Those individuals are taught, among other things, to recognize counterfeit bills. Fives, tens, twenties, hundreds. Those are the most counterfeited. And in their weeks and weeks of study, how many counterfeit bills do you think they are shown? None. Zero. Not one counterfeit bill. They spend all of their weeks of study... Studying the real thing. So that when a counterfeit bill is presented, they immediately know something's wrong. They have a perception. They have a taste of what the bill is supposed to be and there's something wrong. And they may not know exactly what's wrong. So then they take it and they examine it and they study it and they find the flaw. My dear people, that's what we're supposed to do with God's word. We're supposed to study the real thing so intently so that when an error comes along, we know it. We may not know what is wrong, but we know something is wrong. Then we stop. We go back. We examine that against God's word. We put that against our straight edge, and then we can determine what the error is, if there's an error. But that's how we discern as listeners. Increasing our discernment. Having our skills of discernment more highly developed involves being taught. Now, the second part of the passage we're going to look at this morning in Matthew 7 
is in verses 15 through 20. So turn with me in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. And read with me. Based on what Jesus has already said in this Sermon on the Mount about being discerning. He says in verse 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now this passage is at, toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus gives us a very real warning. Not only is it the first century church that was attacked by false prophets, but the church today is also attacked by false prophets. It comes through the airways. It comes through lots of different venues. It can come from the pulpit. As I said last week, please check whoever is here including me, make sure what we're saying is true. <clears throat> Notice that this passage does not have an end time limit. It doesn't say, do this until 2017, then you're safe. Okay, it's talking about even today, where we are, tomorrow, where we're going to be. False prophets were are as real today as they were 2,000 years ago, and even into the Old Testament time, they were there. Since these false prophets will be in and around us, how then are we to protect the flock? How are we to guard and hold fast the teaching of the word of righteousness? We are to direct our discernment not only to our own personal beliefs and, and what we hear, but also what the world wants us to believe about what truth is. We are to keep our ears tuned to be aware and beware of false prophets. Notice how the false prophet is characterized in sheep's clothing. Initially, they appear to be sheep. But Jesus says, actually on the inside, they're ravenous wolves. They will have the characteristics of sheep that we have seen and heard taught from Brad when he taught through the book of James about being a book or being a wool book and how we're supposed to look. However, the word says clearly that what appears to be sheep may in reality be a ravenous wolf. If the person that's speaking is a false prophet. Okay. Jesus clearly says that we will recognize them by their fruit. Fruit takes time to develop. You may think that you're looking at a peach tree, but in fact it turns out to be an apricot tree. You may look and say, okay, that's a pecan tree, but then when it bears fruit, it's not a native pecan, but it's a grafted tree that grows larger paper shell pecans. 
will not, will not know what the tree is until it actually bears fruit, is what Jesus says. <clears throat> it takes a season to tell what that is. Same thing with false prophets. The season may be a long season. It may be a short season. But eventually, the truth of who that person is will be revealed by what they say. The true colors of the false prophet will always be seen. Just as Jesus said in verse 16, grapes are not gathered from from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. In their region, there were thorn bushes that at a distance had little berries that looked like grapes. But when you got closer to it and examined it, it wasn't grape, it was a thorn bush. Thistles in that day and time also grew blooms that were very similar to the fig tree bloom. But when you got closer, you could see that neither one of those were fruit-bearing vegetation, but they were false. The same is true of those who handle the word of righteous, righteousness accurately versus the false prophet. It takes time. We see that. We see that fleshed out. One may proclaim, or what one proclaims may be faked for a season. But in time, their true colors will be revealed. And their lies will be found out. It doesn't matter how well a person guards their words. He will eventually be betrayed by what he says and does against God's word. Now, we are a blessed people. If you hadn't heard that before, which I know you have, you've heard it again this morning, for 15 plus years. Cross Point Fellowship has been blessed by hearing the truth of God's word spoken Week after week after week after week, our elders have worked hard to bring the truth to us. We are blessed. Can we sit back and say, we're good. When we relax, that's when the enemy can slip in under the door. The, the ram that you saw earlier has to be vigilant all the time to see the, the, the wolf coming in. We as a people have to be doing the same thing. While we've been blessed for 15 plus years in that, we need to look to the future and make sure that we're still on target. We're still on track. We can't sit on our laurels And think that we're good. Considering these passages from Matthew 7. Then I have have four application points to make. Number one. As a people of God. As priests, kings. We are called to make wise, informed judgments. Decisions. We are to focus on the truth of God's word and through study, being mentored and discipled, growing in maturity, 
to be able to rightly recognize and follow the truth of God's word in our lives and in our fellowship. In Psalm 119, 66, a passage says, Teach me good judgments and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. The result of focusing on study, memorizing scripture, and how it rightly applies to our lives and our circumstances is that we will grow in our maturity. One of the passages we looked at last week is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. In that passage, God says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. As a body of believers, as Christ followers, we have been granted all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not just some things. All things. From God through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And as we're growing, as we're maturing, we become partakers of the divine nature. Escaping the things the world would want. And that's absolutely for us to be captivated by things of the world. Secondly. As the church, as we as the church are charged with recognizing and discerning truth from error, right from wrong, what is taught and who is doing the teaching, we are charged with holding rightly the keys of the kingdom through wisdom. Proverbs 14.6 says, A scoffer seeks wisdom in vain, but knowledge is easy, for a man of understanding. That's what God calls us to be. Each of us are charged with being about the command to be discerning. To not be dull of hearing, but have sharp ears. We are to make judgments, decisions, one and the same, as we walk through life. In fact, you are involved in that process right now. You're deciding whether what I'm saying is true or not. And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And I believe that the teacher or the preacher who values God's truth would embrace that very process being applied to themselves as they teach or preach or walk. We need that. We need brothers and sisters holding us to the truth of God's word. The third application point this morning is that we are given authority to build and to hold on to what is true and to focus on thinking on these things, to practice what we have learned, to sharpen our discernment and the skilled handling of God's word. In Philippians 4, 8 through 9, 
That passage says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. We are to be focused on the true things of our lives that come from God. If we are focused on the things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy, we will not want to think about the negative things of life. We'll be tempted to, but we'll know what God has called us to focus on. As we do that, We are growing in our ability to see what God is calling us to see. And then we practice those things. This isn't just a one-time thing. It's something that we do in our lives daily. We literally are taking every thought captive and examining and making sure that lines up with our plumb bob, our straight edge, God's Word. Final application point this morning is that we are called to reign and to rule. We are to make decisions as related to God's kingdom. We are to keep in mind the wisdom of Solomon was not Solomon's on his own. Rather, that wisdom came from God. The very same God that provides wisdom to us. In making discernments, we need wisdom. And we need to know who provides that wisdom. Therefore, we go to the source. In James 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all and without reproach, and it will be given him. The developed practice skill of discernment allows us each one in the fellowship to protect the ministry that God has established and so richly blessed us with. We are to be the guardian of the truth, the protector of the young and the faith, And part of who God will use to teach and watch over the flock here at Cross Point Fellowship. In conjunction with our elders, our deacons, our life group shepherds, the members, the truth of God's word will prevail over all trials. Keep in mind, as I said last week, this is not a suggestion. This is a command to be mature. To hold rightly the word of righteousness. To hold those keys. And reigning and ruling is one of those kingdom keys that it has been done. It's being done. It will be done. And not yet completed. 
It's one of those things you try to wrap your head around and it just doesn't work. But reigning and ruling is revealed as something that God has already committed to us, called us to do, we will be doing, and it will be perfected. The second Peter 1, 3 through 4 passage that we read earlier has an already aspect as well as a future aspect for us to keep in mind. Read that passage one more time. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. This is who we are already through God's blessing. This is who we are becoming through God's blessing. And this is who we will be in eternity, future, through God's blessing. Let us continue to walk in this truth and in this call from God. If you join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for your call. We thank you for your willingness to choose to bless us now and in the future. And Father, I pray that we as a people will embrace the truth that we are not just bystanders. We are not just consumers. But we are actively involved in your truth. Discerning, making judgments, protecting the body, helping one another in our daily walk. For Father, we all need that. Father, I thank you for the time this morning. And I thank you as we now go into the supper that we would continue to worship you in spirit and in truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.